This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. So you own your own business. Got small ambitions for this business? Of course you don't. Got medium ambitions for this business? Of course you don't. Who has medium ambitions? You got big ambitions. If you're a growing business with big ambitions, you want to grow with Granger. Granger has the products, the services, and more importantly, the commitment you need. Total commitment. If you're a growing business, Granger's got your back. Call clickgranger.com or stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello, hockey fans. I'm Paul Bruno here with Andrew Fiorentino, and we are the Great Ones. Today is November 24, just two days away from Thanksgiving for my co-host and all my friends and relatives in the United States. I celebrate it too, Andrew, in case you're wondering, by watching all kinds of football on Thursday with a little bit of a, a turkey sandwich to, as a tip of the hat to my American friends. There um, are other kinds of the football on, on Thursday? <laughs> Well, I'm the, I mean, in Canada, it's become a real thing, too. It's not just in the USA where it's a football Thursday and Turkey Day. I used to take that day off when I was in the working world. I'd get the whole day and take it as a vacation day. It was that big, a, big enough of a deal for me, too. So uh, I celebrate right along there with you. I just I just wrote this morning for Riddlewire commending the, the NHL and NBA for not playing games on Thanksgiving. You know, they give the guys a day off. It's Thanksgiving. It's a holiday. Let them go and be with their families. Right. NFL, no. No, you come. You play. <laughs> well, but the holidays are largely centered around that, that kind of, those football games. They've from, made it that way. Yeah, from, that's yeah, great they, branding. They, they have made it that way. And, and the NHL's kind of followed suit a little bit with some afternoon games on Friday, which is kind of neat, I think, uh, and a kind of a good back-to-back with the way foot, uh, football and hockey have married things. To, to deal with the, the two days later this week. So it's a sports bonanza. I love it, and I look forward to it every year on my calendar. With that, though, Andrew, let's dive in and take a look. It's been a couple of weeks since our last pod, and uh, there's a lot going on in the NHL landscape. We reached the quarter pole in the NHL season, and it's time to look at some surprises, uh, slap backslash disappointments around the league. Two teams for me that are at the top of the list are the Calgary Flames and the Anaheim Ducks. Absolutely. Those are two teams that have just been horribly struggling uh, for two very different reasons. Uh, one that we could kind of see coming in Calgary is the goaltending, of course, uh, the def- but the defense, too. 
you know, that's a, a stacked defensive core that really hasn't been living up to its billing. Uh, in Anaheim, it's bizarrely the offense. Uh, all the, the top guys really haven't been getting it done. From Corey Perry's 12 points in 21 games, uh, Ryan Getzlaff, you know, also disappointing, nine points only this season, one goal. So they've been picking it up a little bit lately, though, Anaheim. I still think that they're going to be okay. They're probably going to be a playoff team. Uh, Calgary, I can't say I'm so optimistic. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree with your assessment. There's a lot too much talent on the top two lines in, in Anaheim. And uh, apart from Sammy Vatnan, that defense core has not lived up to what I expected from them. Certainly, I have a high opinion of Hampus Lindholm and Cam Fowler, and they're kind of just pluggers right now. Six points each. With- <laughs> Bless you. Thank you. <laughs> I, I'm a little surprised with the underperformance of Cam Fowler and Hampus Lindholm in terms of their lack of offensive contribution from the blue line. They're both heavy minus guys right now, minus 8 and minus 7 respectively, and only 6 points apiece. I expect much more from them, and I think that's where most a lot of their offense starts in Anaheim from that back end. And with these guys underperforming, they really are the keys to turning it around because I think once they feed the pucks up front to the veteran guys they got on the top two lines there, I think they'll just be just fine in calgary for me the big question mark is right around the new addition on the blue line that's the guy they got from the rangers and i mean from the bruins that's the guy they got from the bruins and that's i wish the rangers yeah uh and and he's uh, dougie hamilton is really under underperformed there what's what's the deal i thought he'd be a star in calgary yeah i mean i think that there there could be a little bit of bad luck to it there and a little bit of it is i think he's just kind of lost in the shuffle of all these you know like great defensemen that the flames have they can't seem to decide what to do with any of them uh, and i think that it's uh really the entire unit that's struggling right now and hamilton will come up when you know the the rest of the the unit's play comes up as a whole and then in goal i mean it was a three-headed monster and uh, with jonas hiller going down I guess I bet on the right horse in a couple of my hockey pools. Kyrie Ramos piling up the wins for them. He's got a, still a 6-7 and seven record in terms of win-loss, but he's been in the nets for 13 starts, and he's already paid for himself on my roster with the performance that he's given so far. I don't think he's a guy that they're going to hang their hat on long-term. They need Hiller to come back and be the number one guy that he can be, but they've dug themselves an early hole, and I think, like you, they're second best in terms of uh, the ability of these two teams to get back into the playoff race, Andrew. So uh, we'll have to see what goes on in that division going forward. But uh, like I said, they've dug, dug themselves an awful hole out there. Um, I want to swing our, my attention and ours to a couple of other stories that are a little more positive in nature. The Ottawa Senators and the San Jose Sharks. I called the Ottawa story at the beginning of the season, focusing my attention and interest on the resurgence of a healthy Craig Anderson. This guy's a mid-30 in terms of uh, age and uh, he's excelled uh, in his 15 of the 20 starts for this team so far this year. 8-4-3 and three is the win-loss and OT loss record with a pretty decent goals against at 261 and a pretty solid 924 save percentage. The guy's a leader in the dressing room and on the ice once again. And it hasn't hurt t- for him to have maybe the best uh, scoring defenseman in front of him in Eric Carlson, but further to that, a resurgent Bobby Ryan who looks like a guy who played in Anaheim and was a 30-goal threat. He looks like he's going to get that that level again. And Kyle Touris, Mark Stone, and Mike Hoffman, these guys are all young guns that are starting to find their way. I love the story that's being written in Ottawa. I, I really can't add anything to that except to say that as you called Ottawa, so I called the San Jose Sharks and Martin Jones, who has just been, I think, uh, a revelation in goal for them. 
really after you know Niemi kind of stagnated there, he's played you know pretty well in over in Dallas now. But Jones has really taken the reins and run with it in San Jose. They're playing a tight defensive style under Pete DeBoer, and but they still can bring it on offense with those you know big names up front. Uh, and just think that they're you know they're playing pretty well right now with Logan Couture out. Uh, they still have him coming back. That's right. Uh, to me, a lot of credit goes there to Pete DeBoer, one of the bright young bench bosses in the NHL. I'm glad he got a second chance to install his system that blends a defense struc- defensive structure and with this veteran group up front. And it's a great story that's b- being written out there on the left coast. I didn't see the Martin Jones uh, experiment turning out so well so quickly. So I got to tip my hat to you, partner. That was a great call. I wonder. I still have wonder. Uh, wonder if it's going to last. But so far, so good. In I terms say of it the does. Call, uh, so far, so good on that call. The big key for me here is that Brett J- Brett Burns. This is a vastly underrated offensive defenseman. He got 60 points last year, and there wasn't a lot of noise about him when it came to the postseason uh, and the awarding of the James Norris Memorial Trophy for best defenseman. I think this guy is right up there in that discussion, and he's on pace right right now to even pass that that mark so he's a real linchpin on the blue line a key for their success it's also impressive to see how jumbo joe and patrick marlowe have steered clear of the bickering with upper management that clouded last season they've continued to score and provide offense but i think they've kind of given way a little bit to guys like pavelski and first year shark joel ward who i think are the new leaders up front andrew uh so that's that's the ups and downs so far the big ups and the big downs in the nhl why don't we focus a little bit on the division that you know quite a bit about? That's the Metropolitan Division. Uh, you follow it a little more closely than I, but there's a lot of storylines here. At the top, we have the Rangers, followed closely by the Caps. No surprise there. The Rangers, the best team in hockey right now. I'm sure that's making your day every time you look at the sports pages and the websites with the standings. But there's a lot of stories beyond that. The Penguins are dealing with controversy despite a 12-8 and mark, while the Devils are thrilled with their 11-8-1 record. And then the rest of the conf- the division has some more ups and downs through it. So, Andrew, why don't you take over and uh, give us the the mini version of what I'm trying to say? <laughs> my now my eight team recap after your summary of my eight team recap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, gotta love uh, everything you're seeing from the Rangers right now. They look practically unbeatable, which is awesome. They just handed, uh, as we'll talk about later, the Predators their third straight shutout loss. Uh, Washington, you have Alex Ovechkin. Uh, Congratulations, by the way, Ovi, for uh, breaking Sergei Fedorov's mark, uh, most goals by a Russian player. Uh, Ovechkin, rather young still. Uh, If you look at that NHL career goals chart, he's got a good chance to end up in that top five Maybe the top three. I said uh, I made time a, it's all said and done. I made a case for him to be the top guy a couple of weeks ago, Andrew. You'll recall when I broke down the numbers per game. So I'm right there with you on that one. It's it's going to be tough. I don't know if he's going to be able to maintain uh, quite as well as Gretzky did into old age, but we'll see. Uh, go on to Pittsburgh. Uh, the Penguins are in an interesting situation. They're 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 still winning, so so they have that going for them. They're doing it with Sidney Crosby still pretty much missing in action. Uh, Evgeny Malkin has been better. Uh, he's been kind of carrying the offense, but they've still been winning in low-scoring games. Uh, a lot of Marc-Andre Fleury uh, really uh, really carrying them right now. Uh, but they actually, you know, 12-8, and eight, have a negative one goal differential still for the season. 
devils are are and then you have a, a weird little case of a, a little overachievers little engine that could bunch of uh, journeymen really joining with uh, Travis Sajak and Adam Henrique to form uh, what's been a surprisingly competent offense but uh, you know they're I, I just I just can't believe it I don't think that the devils really have it in them Corey uh, Schneider is writing an interesting story in net there too don't you think he's he merits discussion for me in the top 10 goalies in the NHL well, yeah, I thought that Schneider was, you know, a great goalie in the first place. Uh, you know, he got the only reason that he wasn't one of the most valuable goalies in fantasy last year is that they couldn't buy a win. But I mean, he put a 9.25 save percentage, you know, for a team that was just horrible. Uh, the fact that he was, you know, as good as he was, I think, is is really a, a credit to him. And it's nice, nicer for him that they have a, a little bit more competent uh, skaters in front of him, putting the puck in the net and uh, and actually, you know, preventing shots. Surprisingly, even in the absence of DeBoer. Yeah, the Islanders to me are a bit of a disappointment, Andrew. I, I didn't see a 10 8 and 3 mark coming from them that puts them fifth in this division early on. Uh, are better days ahead for this squad, or do you, do you think they are where, where you expected them to be? The Islanders are muddling along. They've kind of stagnated early on here. Uh, I, don't, I don't really know quite why. You know, uh, Tavares has been the guy, you know, uh, they've gotten good play and goal from both uh, Yarrow Halak and Thomas Grice has actually been a, a real storyline for this team, uh, playing a lot of games. He's gotten into 10 games. He's got a 927 save percentage, uh, actually challenging Halak for that starting role, yeah. which you would never see him coming from a, a guy who's really been a journeyman in Grice. Right. And then on the downside, you have to look at Ryan Strom, who is really struggling this year. I didn't see this kind of a backward step for him. He's battling injuries. He's been limited to 12 games, only five points. That's a big disappointment for the Islanders, Islanders because they had this guy penciled in as a top six forward, and that's kind of hampered the offense there for sure. The rest of the division, though, not too much in the way of surprises, except for maybe Columbus, who's taken a big backward step. But uh, your pal John, T- John Tortorella is there now, and he's going to fix things, isn't he? Yeah, just on the subject of Strom, uh Unbelievable to see him, uh, a guy who a lot of people picked to, to really break out and join the, the the lead of the league this year. Uh, you know, stuck down in the AHL now, where he's not even playing well there. Only three points in seven games. I wonder if he's dealing with some kind of injury or some kind of uh, personal situation because it just seems so uncharacteristic for a guy who's been just consistently excellent throughout his career. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, back to the the good old Blue Jackets. <laughs> <laughs> They they're they're still I mean they're they've been better they've won six of their last ten games they you know they've been a little better on the Torella you know it's it's like one of those things where you're never as bad as, as you look when you're in you know especially such a, a brutal slump as the one that they were in at the beginning of the year you know everyone recovers you you can never maintain a slump like that all year long so you're obviously going to see some better times it's still not a not a very good team uh, they, they're still kind of kind of looking for answers in in a lot of phases of the game. But they're you know they're they're not the the worst team in the league either. No, and uh, I mean I lumped them into a discussion with the Islanders about two uh, two of the teams in this division who are underperforming. I think one of the two is going to rise to the occasion and and really threaten for a playoff spot. And That's today, the Islanders. today I'd have to bet on the Islanders, and I know you agree with that assessment. So we uh, we do have uh, the same mindset there. That's cool. Um, here's another situation. I'm going to put you in a GM's cap. Uh, uh, get you wearing the GM's cap for a moment here. Closer to home. That's my to- favorite cap. Toronto. Uh, I would add the Leafs as something of a surprise because of 
local pundits were preparing a lot of us for the club rivaling the 74-75 caps and that wicked 21-point season that they had in their first campaign. Happily, that this ragtag bunch has already got seven wins and 19, <laughs> 19 points. So, so not, no negative history will be made in Toronto this season, I don't think. Boy, the bar is low right now, huh, for the, a Leafs fan? 19 That's a points. low bar. We're within, they're within five points of a playoff spot today, and nobody would have expected that, I don't think. But the big story... They've won seven out of 22 games. The big story here, though, Andrew, <laughs> is the goaltending thing and the emergence of James Reimer. I told you when we were prepping for this show, show he set a club record in Toronto but since they started tracking save percentage on a game-per-game -game basis. That includes the time when they had uh, Ed Belfour, they had Curtis Joseph, they had Felix Potvin. James Reimer has just put together a 10-game stretch, which beats the best that any of those guys have done when they were wearing a Leaf uniform. And that has largely overshadowed the dismal effort by Jonathan Bernier by far so far, to the point where local pundits gave Ber uh, Bernier a failing grade in the quarter pole grades, and, and Reimer got an A+. I know neither one is is expected to continue, but Andrew, put yourself in that GM's chair and tell me what you do with these two, given that Bernier has one more year at north of $4 million on a cap hit, while Reimer's a pending UFA with a cap hit of $2.3 million this year. What do you do about this tandem? First of all, <laughs> let me backtrack to, to comparing James Reimer to greats of, of NHL history. That was a 10-game span. I'm just stating the facts. I'm Believe just going to say, <laughs> Ed Belfour's career save percentage, career, 906. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, such a different era of hockey. You never had guys putting up the save percentages of 930 and above that you have you know, these last few years. True. Uh, so that's my, that's my negative for James Reimer. Uh, that said, I mean, he, obviously he's far and away been the better goalie uh you, you you totally got me on that uh, as far as i was certainly a, a jonathan bernier proponent coming into this year not that i love bernier i just thought that he was better than than reimer as as he has been in recent years hasn't turned out that way this year uh his confidence i think is really shook change of scenery very much necessary uh i don't know if bernier necessarily is uh the kind of guy who can handle the spotlight of Toronto, which I think might be one of the the bigger ones in the NHL. Can he handle the spotlight and a rebuild? That's the that's the thing where I yeah have, what I've argued with everyone, and I I think James Reimer has a much better temperament to deal with that sort of thing. He's a guy who's pleasant with the media, got a good work, working rapport with his teammates, very popular in the room by all accounts that I've heard, and I can't say that I've heard the same thing about Bernier. So I I lump all that together, and I wonder if they're going to find a way to dump that contract. And and uh, hitch their cart to to uh, to Reimer for the rebuild, or do they jettison both guys and find somebody else uh, in trade or free agency in the off season? It's going to be very. Interesting. Well, I think it's clear neither of them is a, a franchise goalie. Without uh, question, at I least agree. not for Toronto. That's Without for question, sure. I agree with. Maybe you. Bernier becomes a franchise goalie somewhere else. He's still right. only twenty seven. He still you know could get there. Right. Uh, but you know, Reimer, I don't think is a franchise goalie for anyone. He's not the guy that you want in there long term. Uh, unless you know you have a really uh, you know, great up-and-coming young guy. I agree with you on that assessment. 
Here's another situation. What do you do with a guy like a Brad Marchand? This is with a fantasy twist, eh, Andrew. If he's on your favorite team, you probably love this guy. Small in stature, but he sticks his ample, no, ample size nose into the fray more often than most. And a few years ago, I could not pick a guy like him because his cheap, of his cheap shot antics and how much they bug me. But now I look past all that and look at only his stats, realizing that he's hot right now, tallying five goals in his last five games. You've got to pick this guy up, don't you? And, and do you put your personal feelings aside universally, or do you have a guy uh, in mind like that that you just simply can't pick just because of your antics or your personal dislike for the guy as a player? Well, there's no one I can't own, uh, I have to say, although I, there are guys uh, you know, that I never end up with, uh, Scott Hartnell is a good example, a guy that never, never ends up on my teams. But no, no, that's not true. I've owned Hartnell. See, I own everyone. Uh, <laughs> I, I played this game free from bias. Uh, I will pick guys who, you know, my, in, on my biggest rivals, I think you can't uh, let yourself get caught up in that stuff. By the way, to, to jump back to the Toronto uh, talk just for a moment, uh, I know this won't make you unhappy. Oh, no, we get to talk about the Leafs more. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the I don't know if you've heard about your little young goalie prospect Garrett Sparks. Sure, twenty-two years old, yeah. uh, putting up huge numbers in the AHL so far this year. Uh, maybe a guy who could be in that mix in the future, especially I mean, maybe in the near future if uh, if the Leafs are able to you know trade Bernier away. That whole Marley's team is writing an interesting story. We can talk about that in another segment. Uh, in subsequent weeks when we look at prospects down the road. But interesting story there. They're keeping their top-tier uh, guys down there in terms of prospects, and I think good on them for finally uh, agreeing to, to have that vision in terms of the rebuild. So I think it's a key aspect in their future. Yeah, they have some good kids down there who are going to be uh, real players in the future. Yeah. Now, let's, let's knock a few uh, storylines back and forth, Andrew. There's a lot going on in the league in the last couple of weeks that we haven't been able to address because uh, we haven't been on the air for a while. But uh, topping that list for, for both of us, Nashville Predators, uh, three straight shutouts pitched against them, and Pecorini not, uh, not exactly delivering all-world goaltending at the other end of the ice. What's going on in Nashville? Yeah, it's a bit of a strange situation for the Preds. Uh, they started the season 11-3-3, and uh, you know, off to the you know, typical start you'd expect. Rennie, fantastic in net. Uh, offense mostly generating a little bit on the low end, but over these last three games, they've given up 11 goals and they haven't scored a single one of their own. Shut out three times in a row, and it's you know it's not like Rennie's played well in these save percentages in those three games: 824, 852, 842, yeah. and and that's even despite the fact that he faced uh, under 20 shots in two of those games. Yeah, that's not Hall of Fame worthy at all. Uh, on the heels of uh, that event a couple of weeks ago. Absolutely not. And then you look at uh, Philip Forsberg, you know, a 63-point guy last year, a guy a lot of us had pegged to continue his leap into the league's elite. Only 11 points in 20 games this year, uh, none in the last four games. Hasn't scored a goal in more than a month. Uh, Shea Weber uh, seeing a downtick in scoring. James Neal, even though he was scoring a little bit, uh, has settled into sort of inconsistent pattern. He had a four-game point streak, but two, three-game slumps on either side of it. So uh, just a lot of inconsistency, uh, surprisingly, for a team that's uh, supposed to be, and you know, even still looking at their record, has been one of the best in the league. I think they need to bolster the middle, the middle center ice position. They have had a couple of second liners take a big role there. Uh, Mike Fisher is an, a classic example. This guy's not 
a top six forward on a good team, but he's forced to be on this team. And until they get that situation right, this team will never be as good as they possibly can, I don't think. Uh, let's move on to uh, injuries and illnesses around the league. Yuri Hoodler, this guy had a career year last year in Calgary, and it was being threatened by some additions they made in the offseason. And his situation is hampered right now because he's out of the lineup. I think Mason Raymond, Raymond is a guy who is ripe to step up into this role. This guy's a one, Raymond is a one-way player, not unlike Hoodler in terms of offensive abilities. And I think he's going to get a look in the, in the next couple of weeks uh, if Hoodler doesn't come back soon in that time frame. And he could put up some, some good numbers alongside uh, Monaghan and Johnny Hockey out there. Uh, what do you think are alternatives for their top six in Calgary? Yeah, I don't think they're going to have to worry about losing Hoodler for long. The last I saw uh, has him coming back uh, for this Friday's game, uh, although he won't be playing tonight, uh, making uh, Mason Raymond, yeah, I think, a, a nice little DFS opportunity on a, on a two-game slate. Uh, there we go. We actually talked about something that has to do with fantasy for That's a second. That's right. And, All right. <laughs> and people, people can look at the, the article that I posted in terms of tonight's picks, Tuesday, November 24. I have Mason Raymond in my starting lineup for a nice cheap uh, fee at Fantasy Aces. Dirt cheap on Fantasy Aces and probably on the other sites as well. That's right. Uh, A guy that you're familiar with uh, from his days in New York, Brandon Dubinsky, out of lineup in Columbus, and he's a big big guy that's missed uh, some playing time there in the last little while, and I think the team's fortunes could turn just as soon as this guy gets his feet under him uh, when he returns from this elbow injury to bring some more stability to the top six. I look for big things from this guy. He's a great distributor of the puck and uh, could really make the second line hum when he gets back into the lineup. Do you think uh, there's some, an upward tick in, in their fortunes when when they get this guy back? I think uh, any team benefits from having Brandon Dubinsky in the lineup. Of course, the problem with him is that he doesn't always stay in the lineup. I mean, here we are. He's missed uh, six games in a row. He's going to miss a seventh one uh, tomorrow, almost certainly. Uh, and that's that's the deal with Brandon Dubinsky. He's a guy who gets banged up, uh, you know, because of the way he plays. Well, and uh, some more guys that are banged up in Dallas. This team is simply outscoring their injuries and their defensive woes so far. Uh, Jason Demers and, and Jamie Ben are out of the lineup, and that's going to hurt this blue line. And I think uh, the longer they stay out, it's going to hurt them more. I don't think any team can score the way Dallas has been uh, putting up the goals. I know they have the dynamic duo up front with Patrick Sharp on that first line. But they really are taking a hit uh, on the blue line with these guys out of the lineup. Yeah, don't confuse Jamie and Jordy Ben. Uh, they will, Jordy will knock you out for that. That's right. It is. <laughs> it is Jordan Ben. <laughs> Jamie, that's right. It, in uh, in our fantasy league, actually, one guy dropped Ben. He just said, "I'll drop Ben," and if you're not specific, that could come yeah. back to bite you. So Absolutely. be very careful about that. Uh, through 20 games, the rookie of the year. Is it Dylan Larkin? Is it Artemi Panarin? Or is it somebody else? For me, I love the Panarin fit in Chicago on that top line. He's working magic with Patrick Kane. And uh, it looks like a seamless transition for him from the KHL. Dylan Larkin, Larkin on the other hand, is proving that uh, Detroit was right to buck their tendency and stash their top picks in Grand Rapids for a year or two. He's made a seamless transition from junior to the NHL and has been a stud for the Detroit Red Wings through the first 20 games this season. To me, this is a real coin flip, but I I think I'd have to give the nod to Dylan Larkin. This guy has a complete game, 
and uh, something that I didn't expect from a 19-year-old, but when Detroit un uh, unveiled him, you had to know something special was going on there. Yeah, Larkin just doesn't stop. Uh, he's on a four-game goal streak right now, even though uh, ice time has been a little uh, up and down. Uh, but he's going to, you know, when you look at, at the end of the year, uh, it's the case now, and I think it's going to be the case uh, you know, all season long. He's getting outscored by Panarin. Panarin uh, running that point per game at 21-21. and 21. Larkin also in 21 games, just 15 points. Uh you know, you can weigh other things, of course. Uh, yeah. Plus twelve rating for Larkin, uh, certainly a good two-way play. Uh, Panarin, more of a, a straight-up offensive player. Yeah, but I, I see it the same way. But yeah, and uh, Panarin is, is certainly making his case, uh, playing with the best of them. Yeah, and in Edmonton, we got a story of two young players headed in office, opposite directions following the Connor McDavid injury. Leon Dreisaitl has thrived, uh, coming up from the minors, and he's piling up the points in Edmonton since he's been back in that top six role. Well, now Yakupov has gone back to the MIA program. He really was the guy that we expected to, th to do well with Connor McDavid in the early going, and we were right. But boy, did he lean on him a lot, apparently. He's done absolutely nothing since McDavid went down, and uh, I think that could con continue for a long term. I just think uh, Yakupov was being carried by the, on the shoulders of the young man, the young phenom, who's out of the lineup right now. Well, uh, the the numbers certainly can't disagree with you. Uh, you know, Akupov has been just worthless, basically, since Connor McDavid got hurt. And meanwhile, Dreisaitl, uh you know, I could have kept him in the Rotowire Staff Keeper League uh, for five bucks. But and, no. And I was like, well, he's not going to start the year in the in the league, even, you know. Yeah. And then he comes up seventeen points in eleven games so far. Uh, he's just been. Incredible, phenomenal. Uh, he and he is—he's really phenomenally talented. And and joining Yakupov on the all stiff line for me through twenty games, Marion Gabrick and Alex Semen. These two names are, are these three names in general are a trio of guys you just don't want to touch in terms of any fantasy relevance. Certainly, uh, Semen's been a great scorer in the past. Marion Gabrick had a great playoff and won a Stanley Cup, but. Boy, do you want anything to do with any of these three guys? Is there any fantasy relevance, particularly with Gabrick and Semin today? I don't think so. I would buy low, like low, low on Gabrick, but it's for sure not Semin. I think with Gabrick, it, we've seen this before with him, uh, where he just there are periods of time where he just goes to sleep offensively, and it it started when he came to the Rangers. Uh, he had the you know, the one uh, really huge season, the forty-two goals. And then the next year, he wasn't the same guy. And then the next year, he was back again. He was scored 41 goals. And it's just a, a consistency thing for him, and it, it seems to be a year-to-year -year thing a lot of the time for Gabrick. Uh, so I don't think that he's going to rebound into any kind of uh, superstar, but I, I would certainly rather have him than the likes of Alex Simon. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a curveball at you now, and we, we know Montreal survived very nicely with the loss of Car in the injury absence of Carey Price. But now they've got Brendan Gallagher expected to be out of the lineup for a while. And even though he's a forward, he plays 20 minutes a game, I think this loss could have a bigger effect on the Canadians' fortunes in the next little while. I think it just affects too much of the roster. Their special teams will be a little more uh, in, in a little disarray because of uh, other guys having to fill in. I wonder what you think about that take. 
Yeah, I think that this is something that's really going to impact and have ripple effects throughout the Canadians' entire forward core. Uh, you look at the, the right-wing mix on this team, it really doesn't look good without Brendan Gallagher in that mix. You know, Devontae Smith-Pelly is, is no one's idea of a first-liner, uh, and, and he's it right now, right? He's the first-line right-wing uh, as things stand today. You know, you're not, what, are you going to put Dale Weiss there? Uh, a guy who's been overachieving, uh, but is ultimately a third line player. Uh, Sven Andrietto, the rookie. Uh, you know, they they really don't have a lot of choices to replace Gallagher for the next month and a half or more. Now, there's been a, a little bit of noise around the Islanders with the Travis Hamannuk situation. It's an unusual circumstance. There's a personal issue that has caused him to ask for a ticket out of Long Island. Not upset with the management team at all. It's just a, more of a family situation. And he's got a short list of teams that he would prefer to be traded to, largely in Western Canada, because that's where his family resides. This may really put the Islanders in a bit of a box, I think, because uh, we were going over the possible fits. Uh, certainly, if you're talking Winnipeg, they're going to be uh, asking for Tyler Myers, uh, in return, if you're l- looking elsewhere, Dougie Hamilton in Calgary. I don't think either one of them is a, is a level deal for for a, a talent like Hamannick. In one case, it's a win. In other case, I think it's a bit of a loss. Do you th- see any way out for, for the Islanders and the Hamannick uh, situation here? Well, there are two places we can look that are actually pretty close to Hamannick's uh, hometown of uh, St. Mal, Manitoba, a little bit uh, south of Winnipeg. Uh, a couple of uh, big U.S. cities that are not all that far from there, uh, Detroit and uh, and Minneapolis. Uh, you could look at Minnesota could be a team that could use Hamannick. Uh I'm not quite sure what the match would be. Uh, maybe, do you see maybe Jodis Broden is kind of a match for, for Hamannick in a trade? That, that might be the like best a fairly of all. even trade. That might be the best of all, but I think he wants to stay in Canada, and that's why what makes this thing dicey for me. Uh, I think that he may just have to suck it up, and he's indicated if nothing can be done, he will do his best, and this guy's proven to be a gamer throughout his career, Andrew, so I think he's going to give it his all, But he know, and he knows, well, he's hopeful that his management team's going to give it their all to, to fix the situation, a little, remedy it a little bit more for him, but it's a very unusual one. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. You have to give it up for Hamannick. He's uh, still, playing, uh, still playing well. Uh, yeah. For the Islanders, plus six in the last four games with uh, uh, points in each of the last two uh, against Montreal. And uh, finally in this section, I'm going to say, what about what's up with Jakub Voracek? This guy was a leading scorer with the Flyers for the last couple of years, had a great working relationship uh, with Claude Giroux. But this year, it's just not happening. He signed a big dollar deal in the offseason, but one goal and ten assists, and now he's relegated to third line status. Yeah, Skoracek has become Boracek. Uh, uh, I have to say, though, I think uh, there's there's a huge degree of of tough luck here for Voracek. Uh, We're talking, it's not like he's stopped shooting the puck. Uh, It's not like he's stopped distributing the puck. Uh, You know, he's got 10 assists, which if he was scoring goals wouldn't look so bad, right? Yeah. Uh, You know, one goal on 68 shots, that's a 1.5% shooting percentage. Uh, obviously far, far below anything he's done before in his career. So he's, he's got to be pressing now. He's got to be cr- clutching the stick a little tightly. Uh, but I think that he's going to get back to, uh, to that first line uh, position eventually. The, any kind of demotion that he sees 
is going to be a temporary one for motivational purposes more than anything else. I agree with you. And I think it's working. I agree with you completely because I think there's too much talent there. He's got a track record that's proven, and fantasy owners who own him right now shouldn't give up on him. That's that's our two cents. Let's uh, get to the finish line here with our stud of the week and our rant of the week. These are uh, topics that are near and dear to my heart in this case uh, for obvious reasons that will be apparent very soon. Studs of, <laughs> studs of, studs of the week, Sedin Twins. They're still producing and leading the Canucks scoring parade. In fact, they're leading the NHL scoring parade. Henrik with 15 and Daniel with 14 points in the last 10 games. We hear so much about the NHL scene being a younger man's game, Andrew, but these guys are at the top of the league scoring in November at 35 years of age. They've surprised me with their ability to continue producing at this level for sure. You know, I think it's just the gratitude they have in their hearts that John Tortorella isn't their coach anymore. Uh, that's it, really they're it, really still feeling it two years later it's that afterglow uh, <laughs> of not having John Tortorella it could be that simple for sure no question <laughs> what about uh, my rant of the week uh, Shane Doan running Andrej Pavlich I had you watch this clip before we went to air this I will not stop ranting about this sort of thing Andrew because it drives me bananas where the league the NFL does goes out of its way to protect the quarterbacks I think the NHL needs to do the same to protect goalies Shane Doan was, felt somebody on his back as he was approaching the goal, but he was like a runaway train, and he just ran right through, not over, but through Andrich Pavlik, drove him into the back of the net, and now Pavlik's out for what uh, Coach Paul Maurice is saying, not week to week, it's month to month, and that's, that's going to play havoc with the Winnipeg Jets' fortunes, and it should have been something that, that should have been heavily penalized. I don't think Doan's even going to get a suspended, suspended for one game, and I think that's ridiculous, and it needs to stop. If I can take this in a wholly different direction... I, uh, I knew you would. <laughs> of course. If I can comment on the phrase, he drives me bananas, it makes me think of somebody starting up a banana delivery business. Uh, and, you know, just bringing bananas to people on demand at any time. <laughs> nice. I'm still hot under the collar about that one, though, because <laughs> I will not stop ranting. That's, this, to me, is like the shootout in hockey. You're going to keep hearing it from me, Andrew, a week in, week out, as long as there's a reason to discuss it. And uh, it's something that, uh, that bears uh, fixing in the NHL. They've got to get it right, because who's going to want to play a net when they're facing 100-mile-an-hour shots and 250-pound guys running into them without any, uh, any recourse? So... That's it's very upsetting, and that's why I bring my calming influence. Yeah, well, I need, I need to have a massage or something to calm me down. <laughs> Who doesn't? It's, it's just awful. But uh, on that note, Andrew, let's wrap it up for another great week of The Great Ones, Rotowire's Hockey Podcast. So for Andrew Fiorentino, I'm Paul Bruno thanking you for giving us a listen and inviting you to come back to catch the next episode of our show next Tuesday. So long, everybody. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-Blade Razor and Shave Gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R.